Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. How y'all doing? Amen, amen. All y'all finished your shopping? I, I, I left here Friday night and went to the mall, and my wife and I closed down the mall. <laughs> You know, I don't like, I'm starting, to, I'm starting to like them off. I don't know why, this is kind of dangerous, but we were walking around 9.30, 9.45, J.C. Penney. <laughs> this is not J.C. Penney. <laughs> psych, psych. <laughs> I uh, want to welcome all our campuses. Uh, if you are a visitor, uh, welcome to The Rock. My name is Miles. I'm pastor of The Rock Church. Let's go. Let's give the visitor a big hand. And... We are one church with six locations. We have San Marcos, El Cajon, City Heights, Chula Vista, Point Loma, and Oahu, Hawaii. So if you take a vacation, you gotta go to Oahu. Uh, and God bless all of y'all out there. And I'm so excited for today. Hey, before I start, I wanna give you a preview of what's coming. Because uh, two weeks from today, uh, we're going to start a 21-day fast, amen, and we'll tell you what that's all about. It's not not eating anything. You just fast something like, you know, you can fast coffee because I know a lot of people are addicted to coffee, and you might not realize it until you stop drinking it, then you're like this under the table. Um, uh, but, you know, you could fast cursing. <laughs> That'd be a good thing to cast. Uh, but, again, we'll, we'll, we'll explain that January 7th, but we're going to start an eight-week series called The Year That Changed My Life. And we're going to study eight different topics, and each one of those topics, prayer, the Bible, um, uh, ownership, the first one's on ownership, uh, being intentionally responsible for your life and your spiritual growth. Uh, but we're going to talk about evangelism, we're going to talk about generosity. And then throughout the year, we'll have milestone events that attach to all those topics so we can take you through the year. And if you want uh, God to change your life, Take ownership of that process come January 7th, and let's get it going. Amen? Amen? We're very excited about that. So I'm going to have all y'all stand up, uh, stand up, tell you a story, then we're going to pray. So I have a grandson. Y'all know I've been talking about my grandson. He's right here. He's nine years old, and I was, amen, amen. So we always get kind of matching suits every year. He's got a little green plaid on. I got my green on. Green's my favorite color. Is green your favorite color? No. What's your favorite color? Orange, okay, he's, him, him and my wife have a favorite color. It don't matter, it's my favorite color, anyway. But we were playing football yesterday, and um, I can't throw a football. And, and you know, I, I obviously played, and I see it all the time on TV, and I'm like, I could do that, I could do that, I could do that, in my mind, right? If I, would, if I was in the game, I would have done that, I would have done that. So I'm out there with a nine-year-old, and he's like, all right, Grampy, let's go, let's go. And, and I can't throw it as, as far as him. So he's like, you run routes. I'm like, oh, I can run routes. And we're talking like from here to there. <laughs> and after five routes, I'm like. <laughs> and then he's throwing a ball. I can't even throw it back to him because I can't throw as far as he can throw it. And a lot of us have in our mind what's reality when it's not. Like you think you're a really good person when you're not. <laughs> you think you're really patient, but you're not. <laughs> and you think you and God are cool, but he loves you, but eh. You know, he's like, so today, I, I pray today is a day you could say that, that reality can hit about who you are. We always think better about ourselves than we are. Amen? I mean, you think you're cuter than you really are. <laughs> you think your breath don't stink because you can't smell it, but it does. Are <laughs> oh, y'all follow what I'm saying? So there's a lot of things about us that we have the wrong perception about. And, and when we come to church, there's a time for God to say, show me reality so I can um, uh, live based on reality. 
And so I want to pray for you and God would open your eyes to who you are and maybe give you clarity about what you're, how you're supposed to be living your life and who you're really, why you're really here on earth. Amen? Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Pray you bless our time together and speak to us with clarity. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you sit down, before you sit down, I want you to repeat something with me. Say, or I want you to repeat this with me. Say, Jesus was born to take away your sin, but he needs your help. One more time. Say, Jesus was born to take away your sin, but he needs your help. Now I want you to turn to somebody and tell them that. <laughs> okay, you can be seated. <laughs> Okay. I don't know what that's for. I think they forgot it. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 2. If you have a Bible, Matthew chapter 2. I saw an experiment um, maybe a month ago where they took a bunch of rats and they, how many of y'all like rats? Yeah. Rats are some bad dudes. You need to give them respect, okay? So they took these rats and they put them in water and they wanted to see how long they can swim before they drowned. And so they put them in the water, and 15 minutes later, the rats are blah, 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 and they, they were drowning. So they pulled the rats out, dried them off, and let them sit there for 10 minutes. Then they put them back in the water to see how long they would swim. So the first time was 15 minutes. Everyone say 15 minutes. They took them out, they dried them off, and then they put them back in the water, and they want to see how long they would swim. How many of y'all think they swam for 30 minutes? How about an hour? How about 16 minutes? How about two hours? Y'all aren't going to vote. So y'all just, uh, <laughs> everyone's just sitting there like, whatever, whatever. It was 60 hours, two and a half days they swam. And the reason that they swam for two and a half days is because they had hope. Somebody was going to come get them. Hope is a very powerful, life-giving force. Christmas is not only about a Savior being born. It's about hope being born. Mary was pregnant with hope, this anticipated desire of something positive happening. And there are so many people today living without hope. We have money, we have our age, we have our health, we're trying to stay young. But at the end of the day, our money's going to run out and we're going to get old and die. And so what is your hope beyond that? What is your hope for your health issues, for your relationship issues, for your career issues, for your personal vision issues? You can get self-help all the time, but you can only help yourself but so much. God sent us hope, this, this anticipated desire of something good happening for eternity, and his name is Jesus. And today we're going to give you an opportunity to receive that hope. And, and by the way, it's not about understanding intellectually the hope, but the Bible says that demons believe in God. They believe that God exists and they shudder. They don't believe in God, but they believe there is a God. There's a difference between believing God cognitively in your mind and believing in your heart where you say, I'm going to surrender. So today we're going to talk about how you can surrender to him. Now, my, we started this series about uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago called How Can It Be? Everyone say, how can it be? How can it 
And it started with Mary being pregnant. And the Bible says that when she was found out she was pregnant, she was engaged to a guy named Joseph. And they had never been together physically. So she said, how can it be that I'm pregnant when I haven't been with a man? Everyone say, how can it be? So we talked about that. Then we talked about Joseph, her engaged to be husband. He's like, how can it be that God coming into my life could be so disruptive? Because not only was his girlfriend pregnant and he had to explain, it wasn't me. <laughs> and who's going to believe that? And then they had to run to Egypt because someone's going to try to kill Jesus. And they had come back and he's like, how could it be that God could bring so much disruption into my life? And by the way, when God comes into your life, he's not there to serve you. He's there to get you to serve him. And that can be disruptive. So Joseph said, how can it be? Today we're going to talk about Herod. Everyone say Herod. Herod was the king. And Herod's thinking, if I'm the king, how could there be another king being born? And Herod is going to try to kill Jesus. And so my question to you is, how can it be that such a loving savior that offers us eternal hope can be so rejected? There's so many people who know about God and they know he died, they know he rose from the dead, but they just reject him. How is that so? So we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to give you three, three reasons I think that it is. Number one, he came to establish righteous rules. People don't like rules. No one wants to live under rules. I don't want God. Matter of fact, if people say, if there's a God, then I got to live by the rules. I don't want that. So they reject God. And they think if they ignore God, the rules go away. You can do what you want. We're going to talk about that. I think another reason is people don't, they, that he came to enforce a righteous ruling. He is going to enforce those rules. People don't like that. They don't want, and it's definitely Herod didn't want that because he was the king. And thirdly, he is going to reign as a righteous ruler. He is the king of kings. And people, when they hear about this savior, they hear about God, they reject any authority over their life. And that's where a lot of us are today. And, and I would imagine to some degree, all of us, are rejecting God in some way because there's certain things we want to do our way. Can I get an amen? I mean, I would imagine some of y'all eat stuff you shouldn't eat. How many of y'all, let's take a little poll. How many of y'all eat stuff you know you shouldn't eat? Okay, look at y'all, look at y'all, just like sinners in heaven here. <laughs> just terrible, terrible, terrible. And, and, and here's the thing about it. You're eating it going, mm, this is so good. I shouldn't be eating this. But I'm a, I, I, like I, when I eat at home, I eat food. And as soon as I take the last bite, I put the dish in the sink and then go right to the pantry. There's no, like, there's no gap, there's like no rest, there's no digestion. It's like I gotta go right into the pantry and I eat stuff, sometimes it's stuff I shouldn't eat, sometimes it's stuff I should, but a lot of, we do stuff that we, sh we know we shouldn't do. We, we say things, how many of y'all been in, you're in conversations, you're gossiping about something and you know you should not be saying that. Can I get an amen? And then you try to cover up because you, you might not say it, but you just co-sign, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in your mind, you're thinking, I'm not saying anything, so I'm innocent. Oh, no, you're guilty. You're guilty. <laughs> so we don't want authority over life. We don't want anybody telling us what to do, how to live. But I want to propose to you that the, the righteous ruler that Jesus is and the hope that he gives us is the kind of king that you want in your life. You are going to have authority in your life. You do not control and never will your life. You don't control your heartbeat. You don't control all the billions and trillions of cells in your body, how they're functioning. We don't, we don't control what's going to happen tomorrow. We are not in control. And so it's, a, it's, a, it's even a false narrative in our head that we're in control. We have to uh, understand and, and agree 
what is going to be my authority in my life? So let's look at Matthew chapter two. Matthew chapter two, again, Mary found out she was pregnant. Joseph found out his girlfriend was engaged, wife to be pregnant. Herod found out that a king was gonna be born. The baby's born and Herod finds out there's a, a baby being born. And we're picking up the story in Matthew chapter two, verse one. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, everyone say, Herod. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard that, he was troubled and all Israel with him. And he said, how can that be? Everyone say, oh, snap. He's like, how, how is it? I'm the king. I'm on the throne. I got the power. And there's another king. And then it says, and when he had gathered the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come worship him also. Herod wanted them to bring back word to him so he can kill Jesus. The wise men in the dream were directed to go another way and not go back to Herod. God did not want that to happen. It wasn't time for Jesus to die. He would die eventually when he was 33 years old, but not now. And so Herod finds out and he ends up going and killing a bunch of kids. In verse chapter 2, verse 16, it says, when Herod when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all the districts from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Why would Herod want Jesus dead? And then I asked the question, why would any of you, any of your family, any of your friends, Reject a savior who is going to come, live, die for your sin. We said that before. That he came to die. He didn't come to start a religion, by the way. He came to open up opportunity for a relationship with the Father. And he lived 33 years, never died, walked on water, healed the deaf, the blind, the mute, the, 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 uh, the dumb, the, uh, and the paralyzed, raised the dead. Loved the unlovable, healed the unhealable, touched the untouchable, and he never sinned one time, and no one ever saying a negative word about Jesus. Then he died a brutal death. Why would anyone reject that? Why would anyone reject the hope that he can give you? Hope is an anticipated desire of something good. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Many people have tunnels that are completely dark. When you look at your future of your finances, completely dark. When you look at the future of your relationships, completely dark. When you look at the future of where you're going with your life, where, what, what am I here for? To get a job, work, retire, get old and die? That is boring. That is, God has so much more for all of, you, all of us. And so why would people reject it? Number one, I think one reason is because he came to establish righteous rules. Now, are there rules in life? 100%. There are rules, so many rules and laws and guidelines on how things happen. As a matter of fact, if, if, if someone said there's no God, you would say, well, if there's no God, that means I can slap you and you can't get mad because if there's no good, there's no bad. You can't know good, bad, unless you have good. 
God established rules in the Old Testament. Get it? Don't murder. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't commit adultery. All that kind of stuff. And we get all that. Jesus came to take it to another level. If you just live by black and white rules, we all die. In other words, if you can't ever break a rule, and if you break the rule, you got to pay the price, we're all doomed. So we want Jesus to come because what Jesus says is, I'm going to not only take it to another level because grace, God's grace and love takes you beyond the rules. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 5, it talks about, you heard it said before, you shall not murder. I'm going to tell you something even bigger than that. Don't even be angry in your heart. Oh, snap. You curse somebody, you're guilty of murder. Imagine that. Imagine if, matter of fact, they got AI now that can read your mind. They got AI can read your mind. It's, it's, it's in the infant stage, but I saw an experiment where someone was thinking something. The AI was, the lady on the, the AI voice was saying, you are thinking. And then it told, the, it just quoted out loud what you were thinking. Can you imagine if you would walk into a store and they read your mind and they charged you with a crime based on what you thought? Guess what the Bible says? That God can read your mind. He knows all your thoughts. And Jesus said, you heard it said, don't murder. I'm telling you, don't even think be angry or you're guilty of murder. You heard it said, don't commit adultery. I'm telling you, don't even lust after a woman. Oh, come on, fellas. <laughs> you know why pornography is a billion-dollar business? Because of that. You heard it said, don't love your friends and hate your enemies. I'm telling you to go even beyond that and love your enemies. That the people who hate you, how many got somebody in your life who you, watch this, how many of y'all got somebody in your life you can't stand? <laughs> Mm-hmm, can't stand that fool. You know, you, know the, you know what the Bible says? I want you to even love them. Oh, God, yes. Oh, God, yes. Uh -huh. We're going to pray for you, sister. <laughs> bada boom, bada boom, bada boom. <laughs> and, and so who wants that burden? But here's the difference. With the laws, you have no power in your life to fulfill the laws except your willpower. When Jesus comes into your life, he gives you the power of the Holy Spirit to come in you. And that he empowers you, inspires you to live even beyond what you naturally can, can live. The Bible says that you shall be filled with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Everyone say power. So God says, when, when Jesus came, he says, listen, I want to instill power in your life to live beyond even any rules you ever know. That means you'll be able to love your enemy. Imagine your enemy cursing you out and you could look at that person and just say, God loves you. You could look at that person and say, I'm going to pray for you. Imagine that power. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, take my, this is Jesus talking, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, listen, if you let me partner with you and you take my burden and give me your burden, I will walk with you and empower you to live even beyond what you could ever ask or imagine. I will empower you to love those people who irritate you. Pray for those people who irritate you. Serve those people who irritate you. And by the way, eventually that irritation is gonna change into love. I started uh, cold plunging the other, uh, about six days ago. And cold plunging where you just go in water that's cold and you sit there for like two or three or four minutes and then you get out and it has all these effects on your body and blah, blah, blah. So I did it this morning and I, the first day I was like, for 30 seconds, just, just tripping. And then all of a sudden, so today I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go in there and go, this is nice. <laughs> that was my goal. 
So I think it was like 6.30 this morning, got my workout in, shower, and, I, and the pool's 55 degrees, and, and I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go in here, and I have decided this is gonna be good. I'm not letting the water determine how I react. So I said, And that was it. That was it. You can control your emotions. Don't let your emotions control you. That person that, 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 that irritates you, say, God, give me extra love for that person. Let me not react to that person. And when you ask Christ to be your Savior, the Spirit of God comes in you and empowers you to live beyond any rule. Because the rule might say, hate your enemy or even love your enemy. God's going to give you power to actually do it. Number two reason I think people reject Jesus is because he will come to enforce righteous ruling. Oh, he's coming back to enforce. When I was a teenager, I witnessed a shooting. I was in my park. When I say my park, my neighborhood, we had a park. We played basketball and blah, 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 blah. And everybody would go there and, and especially in the summertime, be packed. And I was there, I was 18 or so, and I heard, cack, 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 cack. And my friend's dad ran past me this close and ran over there 20 steps and shot three times or so a friend of mine who was a bully. And he was a bully. So I, I understood the whole. I said, oh, he, he shot him? Yep, I get it. Not that I'm not saying he deserved it, but I, but I understood the situation because he bullied everybody. And my friend, who, whose dad it was, was a sweet guy, and I got the picture. But I was there, and I was a witness, and the police came, and my dad was a cop. And, this, and by the way, this man was also a cop. And I said, hey, I saw what happened. And they said, oh, okay, we're going to take your statement. Well, a year later, I had to go to trial and sit in the trial and point him out in the, in the courtroom which was kind of awkward because he was my friend's dad. And uh, can you imagine you dying? And you're going, yeah, man, God, I'm going to heaven. And God's like, oh, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You said this, you said this, you did this. Matter of fact, you, you want me to run the tape back from when you were like 10 years old and run it all the way to when you died at whatever, whatever age? And God said, here's all the things you did. And if you just have one sin... Because the standard of heaven is perfection, you can't come. And you're busted. Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the penalty of sin is death. God, God doesn't, do, we don't, he doesn't owe us anything. But imagine right as they started saying guilty, Jesus stepped in and says, I got it. He's mine, Amen. Look what it says in Jeremiah chapter 31, 33, and 34. I will put my law in their mind, and I will write it on their hearts. God wants to put his law in your mind and on your heart. It's not something you have to only read. The Spirit of God is going to speak to you. And it says, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least to the greatest. And then it says... I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Here's the thing. You can live all your life saying, I'm going to try to be good. I'm going to try to be good. And you should do your best to be like Jesus. But when his spirit comes in you, he actually accelerates that process and empowers that ability. And, and when you die, it's not like, did, I, did my good outweigh my bad? Your bad is always going to outweigh your good. 
because we're just sinners. We, we can't help but sin. But when we are forgiven, the Bible says that our sin is remembered no more. The devil may be saying, you did this, you did this, you did this. And God's going to say, they gave my life to me. I have forgiven them. Now, he's going to continue to work with me, work with you, which is point number three. He is going to come as a righteous ruler. Jesus is coming back. We were just in Israel. Uh, actually, we returned from Israel October 7th, the day the war started, as many of you know. And we just took off like 30 minutes after the war got started. And we were on the Mount of Olives from where Jesus ascended into heaven and to where Jesus is going to come back when he comes back. He's coming back. The Jews actually believe the Messiah is going to come back to that place because they have a graveyard right on the Mount of Olives where they think Jesus is going to come back because they wanted to be the closest to the location where he comes back. So when they rise from the dead, they're right there. It's amazing. He's coming back and he's going to rule. But he's not going to rule with an iron fist and say, you're this. He's going to rule to serve with us. He's going to rule to encourage you. Look, I, when, I, when I, my son, is, my grandson's here with his football team, all his football, his football players, his pop, not, not pop, flag team, flag, Pop Warner next year. <laughs> Maybe. One of the most revered positions to me is coach. I had coaches all my life, and coaches are there to help you get better. They're not there to beat you down. And when the team wins, the coach wins. The parents win. All the fans win. God wants to live in your heart to help you win, but also for him too, because he wants you part of his family. He wants to walk with you through your hard times. He wants to be with you on your lonely times. He wants you to be in heaven with him. It's a relationship. I would say relationships. It's not him sitting on the throne seeing who's going to make the cut. He actually is going to walk with you in your dark and darkest, lowest hours. But you must help him. As I said in the beginning, Jesus came to forgive you of your sin, but he needs your help. Here's your help. Is that one, you acknowledge that you need him. You're not as holy as you think. None of us are. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. Say amen. amen. Me, you, all of us. We, none of us are good enough to go, get to heaven on our own. None of us are good enough to have a relationship with God on our own. And then the Bible says that the penalty of that sin is death. All of us are going to die. We know that. And we're not going to die because we're human, because we were created to live forever. We die because of our sin. But the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That if you told Jesus, I'm so sorry, I acknowledge that I cannot meet the standard of perfection to get to heaven. I'm a sinner. And you came to establish righteousness on earth. You were born so you would die, rise from the dead, and give me opportunity to have relationship with you. I want that. So if you would like to give your life to Christ and establish relationship, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and give you opportunity to do that. Understand this. We were not created in the image of God to have religion. We were created in the image of God for relationship. The reason parents have kids is to love those kids, to invest in those kids, to encourage those kids, to walk with them through their life the best they can. God created us in his image for the same reason. 
to love us, to encourage us, to show us why he created you because he's the one who gave you all your talents, all your desires, all your interests. He designed you in his image to have a relationship with each other and to have a relationship with him. But we push God away to do our own thing. And God in his mercy said, I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to send my son who's going to live the life you should have lived and died the death you should have died. And he's going to give you opportunity to start over with God and say, Lord, I want relationship with you. I want you to show me my purpose. I want you to fill me with your heart, with your word, with your spirit. I want you to guide me through my life. Whatever gift you get tomorrow, I guarantee you it ain't going to last forever. And probably in a month, you're going to forget you got it. But to get to salvation is forever. Eternity. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask all y'all to bow your heads and close your eyes and listen very carefully. Lord, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. Every Christmas we hear this story that you were born of a virgin, lived 33 years, died on a cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and you offer us a brand new start in life the most powerful, life-transforming relationship possible. We fall in love with people. It's only a small taste of what being in love with you is. The Bible says all, everybody is a sinner and that the penalty of sin is death, that death is eternal separation from God. But the Bible says that while we were sinners, Jesus died for us and he rose from the dead. If you would like to ask Jesus to be your savior and establish a relationship with him, I'm just gonna ask you to pray a prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. It's not a prayer to join an organization. It's a prayer to invite the spirit of God into your life. Spirit of God that will transform your life, redirect your life, give you clarity and power to be who you were designed to be. The Spirit of God that pours out the love of God in your life. So if you would like to ask Jesus to be your Savior and receive the best Christmas gift you can ever imagine, just pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. You don't need to pray it out loud, but you need to pray believing that God is listening, that he's been anxiously waiting for you. He's not mad at you. He is madly in love with you. In the privacy of your heart, pray, dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner and that the penalty is death. But I believe 
that Jesus loves me, that he died on the cross for me, and that he rose from the dead. Jesus, I commit my life to you. I surrender my life to you. I repent of my sin. I receive the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for your patience. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up. By standing, you are giving public testimony that you are surrendering your life to the Lord. Jesus died in public. He was beat in public. He was spit on, rejected, cursed at, hit with rods, and nailed to wood in public. And then he rose from the dead and walked around for 40 days in public. Our faith is something to be lived in public that the glory of God may be seen to the world. So in a minute, I'm gonna ask you to stand and Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. This is not something we do privately. And as you stand, you are resurrecting from your old life into a new life. So on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer to ask Jesus to be your savior, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet. One, two, three, stand to your feet. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Stay standing, stay standing, please, stay standing. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Now I'm gonna ask all y'all who are standing to do one more thing. In a minute, I'm gonna ask you to come down to the altar so we can pray for you, and then we're gonna sing a song together. I'm gonna ask all y'all to stay in your seat. So if you're standing up, just come forward out of your seat. Come on down here, let's give them a hand there. Come on down. Come on, church. God bless you, God bless you. Come on, church, come on. Come on. Come over here, come over here. How are you, sir? Come on, Charles, give him a big hand. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. God bless you, 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 God bless you. As I said, tomorrow you're going to open up some gifts, and I want you to keep in your mind when you look at that gift, just ask yourself how long it's going to last. Think about how, how much is really not going to change your life. I, I don't know what it is, but it's not going to change your life like this. God's now in your heart. He's going to change the way you see the world. He's going to change the things you want, the appetites you have. Not only physical uh, dietary appetites, but appetites for music, appetites for relationship, appetites for how you use your time. God's going to make transformation that only he can do. Amen. 
And for all of y'all, listen, next week we'll be here, but two weeks from now we're going to start a series. I want y'all to get your phones out because we're going to sing a song together and we're going to do the candlelight thing. Get your phone out and do that. Before I pray for these people down here at the altar. Lord, I just thank you for all these people standing here. I just pray that today... Christmas Eve 2023 would be a day they never forget. That what they have received is going to have eternal implications on their life. And I pray even now you start to reveal to them the things that you've been whispering to them all their life. It's not only the things they got to get rid of, but it's really what you want to give them. Is that you've been speaking to them all their life about your destiny in their life, their dreams, their talents, their potential, the untapped potential in their life. And I pray that you would affirm in their heart that it was you speaking to them all this time. And now that they have given their life to you, you guys can go at it together. And they're not ever, ever going to be alone for the rest of their life. I pray all of us as we end 2023, would make a decision that next year is going to be better than this year. And that we are going to do the things that God wants us to do with expectation and hope that his promises will come true in our life. That his promises that he's given us through his word, through his spirit, through his whisper in our heart are true. And I pray you encourage people, even people who didn't come out of that seat, that you would tell them, you're there. You're going to go home with them. You saw them. You know what's in their heart. And that you would stir their hearts to pursue you and take responsibility and ownership for their faith. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. So all y'all who are standing down here, we're going to sing a song. If y'all get your phones out. Then Pastor Travis is going to come out and he's going to give you instruction on what you should do next. Amen? Let's get our phones out. You're going to look around. Look at all the lights. Oh, it looks so beautiful. Christmas time. There we go. And we're going to sing this song. I know it's going to be good. Let's go. Me. 
Change shall he 